the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Let's go the distance by keeping our distance. Nissan, innovation that excites. All right, now let's go down to earth with Dr. Cara Augustenberg. Uh, we want to talk politics because uh, our UCD Environmental Policy Fellow, Dr. Cara Augustenberg, has dabbled with green politics herself in terms of the Green Party. And for the past fi- five weeks, the Green Party have found themselves in the middle of a negotiation for a programme for government, uh, a tripartite government with Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil during an unprecedented pandemic with all the economic uh, and health fallout from that. Uh, Cara, first of all, um, what's what's the context to all this for Green Party members? Well, I mean, I've been following the Green Party now for a while. I I was a member once upon a time and even uh, in 2014 ran in a local election for my sins. And uh, and it's been great to see them over the last few years in particular, definitely riding some kind of green wave with massive success in uh, the local elections. In 2019, they won 49 seats and, and the most they'd ever had before that was 18 seats in 2004. And then in the general election in 2020, when they got 12 uh, seats and the most they had one before that was six in 2002 and 2007. So uh, definitely a lot to be proud of. And and now here they are, they're having their moment and uh, and it's really make or break right now and it could all fall apart. So w- w- were they happy with 12 seats? Uh, I know at the time their leader, Eamon Ryan, was was kind of saying he hoped to get around 10. So I think 12 was definitely uh, a little bit more than they anticipated. Uh, my own analysis, though, is that, that that even though they should be very proud of this success, they did fall down a little bit, um, I think, in the youth vote. I think they started to slip a bit in the youth vote and 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 perhaps Sinn Féin started to kind of get some of that, that youth vote. So I think, you know, some questions need to be asked uh, about how they engage with young people, because in, in the middle of all this, we had Fridays for Future striking every Friday and we had the Extinction Rebellion uh, going. So I think they could have done a lot better, actually, uh, if they'd maybe reached out a bit more to that that cohort. And the decision then, we had an exchange of correspondence between the Greens and, and uh, essentially Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil were kind of on the one wicket after that. What, what, what did you make of the decision to enter into talks? Yeah, this is where things got really complicated. I, I think everyone knows at this stage that um, there was a cohort of, of of the Green Party TDs who were opposed to entering any kind of talks with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And, and I suppose uh, someone like me, a climate activist who's been campaigning for much more climate action over the next five years, was a bit taken aback that, you know, I'd given my number one vote to the Greens this year, along with 155,000 other people, and the thought that perhaps they wouldn't even enter negotiations uh, after after all of that hard work and all of that success was was shocking. So the Greens wrote a, a letter to Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil with 17 points that they wanted clarification on before they they entered negotiations, and they received a response from from both parties, which which I thought had a lot of positives and emphatic yeses, including an announcement from from Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil that they that they actually could see that they shouldn't uh, build uh, liquid natural gas infrastructure anymore, and they should stop exploring for oil. And gas or stop issuing licenses for that. And even Mark Ruffalo, you know, our, the, the Hulk uh, tweeted out victory on, on LNG and, and many LNG activists were quite happy with that response and sort of gave the Greens a mandate to, to enter government talks uh, to see what they could negotiate in a program. 
Okay, so in the midst of this then, partly because the Green Party rules as regards what happens after election, um, it is it was first of all a kite flying exercise by some councillors in Cork, and then it became apparent that the chief negotiator, uh, lead negotiator Catherine Martin, the deputy leader of the party, was actually putting her candidature forward to be leader of the party. What impact has that had? Yeah, my opinion that this was a disastrous move that has a lot of us questioning why we voted Green in the first place. Because, you know, I've never seen a political party that would actually try and heave a leader as they're going into government and having having been so successful. And while I recognize they need to they need to have an election as part of their constitution, in the past they have had uncontested elections. Um, so the move by the the four Cork Greens, as they call them now, in 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 putting out this letter at a key moment in negotiations certainly undermine the negotiations. And that has been said by by members of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael who are part of those negotiations. So um, a, a disappointing move uh, on behalf of some Green Party members, I think. But do you think uh, a leader in Eamon Ryan or a leader in Catherine Martin makes it more or less likely they'll go into government? Uh, I, I think it's weak in the negotiating power because there's confusion on on wh- who will be the leader. Um, I, and 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 look, we know that Catherine Martin uh, opposed going into negotiations, so it's very it's very strange situation to have someone leading negotiations who didn't want to be there in the first place. Um, and and that has everybody asking questions about you know how effective the negotiations are. But I mean, from what I've heard, actually, they have a lot to be proud of, and and you know the kind of things that they're discussing right now are transformative issues that would not be brought forward by what, any what other... For you, what for you are the red lines or the areas of policy that, that really matter? So I, I think uh, this this idea of red lines is is a little silly. I think we should be looking at uh, at at the at the program holistically, and 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 you know things like talking about a carbon budget and a seven percent emissions reductions um, that has knock on effects to everything else. That transforms housing, it transforms transport, um, it, it transforms society as a whole, and and including agriculture. Um, so I, so I don't think there's any one specific issue that we should say this is a, a no. Okay, perhaps direct provision. I think now we realize more than ever the importance of, of racial justice and how that needs to to end. Um, but but I also think we need to be looking at this document and saying how much does this transform society and is this enough? Uh, you know, and 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 I think it's certainly going to be a lot more than anything that the Greens could execute if they were in opposition. So, is it agriculture? Is it housing? Is it transport? What what are the key concerns? Yeah, so this, the sticky issues right now, certainly agriculture was always going to be one and, and, and the mandate to negotiate on that has been given to Eamon Ryan and the reports coming back uh, from everyone involved in the negotiations is that he's done a really, really good, good job bringing everyone along. And, you know, he's not just focused on the party members or the parliamentary party. He's thinking about the 100,000 farmers that have to embrace these new ideas. And I think I think that vision and thinking 10 steps ahead is, is really refreshing uh, from somebody involved in negotiations. And then there are other issues around housing. And in 2016, uh, both Eamon and Roderick O'Gorman and Catherine Martin, they all pulled out of negotiations with Fine Gael over an ideology around housing. So I think we do know that they that it's possible that if Fine Gael doesn't recognize the need for more state or public housing, uh, that could be a deal breaker. But probably the stickiest issue of all is transport, because obviously there were a number of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael voters who promised roads in their constituency. Uh, 
Uh, and, and we know that the Green Party wants 20% of the transport budget allocated to walking and cycling infrastructure. So so this could be a difficult issue to well, get you past. See, you see, my difficulty with you and with all these green anoraks is that you don't seem to realise you only got 7% of the vote. You talk as if you got 97% of the vote. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you greenies have completely rossed the run of yourself. And the truth yeah. of it is that while a lot of people would like to see global warming dealt with in the fullness of time, would like to do things in a more environmental way. The reality is we might have no economy. Like when the election took place, we're in a whole new world. We're going to have a deficit of 30 billion. Unthinkable. We're going to have half a million people unemployed. Unthinkable. During the day, the 8th of February, we went to vote. And here these greenies are carrying on in their own little cotton wool bubble as if the world hadn't changed. Yeah, do you feel better getting that out there, Ivan? I, you know, I actually, in in some in some ways, there, I agree with you in that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil represented forty percent of the voters, uh, whether environmentalists like that or not, and and we can't other them. We have to work with them, and and we are seeing that, you know, the Green Party in Austria has has gone into coalition with a far right party, um, recognizing that part of democracy is working with people who prioritize other issues, and what. I think is great and very positive about all of this is last government we had, uh, you know, Richard Bruton saying, look, we're happy with two to three percent reduction uh, in emissions a year as part of our climate action plan. And aren't we great for doing that? And now we have both him and Leo Varadkar saying we recognize that we have to reduce emissions by seven percent a year. And they are working hard to come up with a plan now. This is the conversation we needed to have years ago, and it never would have happened if the Green Party weren't at the negotiating table right now. So to me, this is huge and this is very positive and this is about working together and compromising. And 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 so I don't think we're we're far apart. I think we just have different priorities, but I think we can work together to make all of those uh, happen. Yeah, the, 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 the point is at the end of the day, just say they do reach agreement on a programme for government, just say they do. I mean, being in government is going to be a rocky road. You, 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 like the nature of cabinet and politics, whether it's in the UK, is you got to cut deals. you got to be pragmatic. you got to be expedient. And you know what? If the environment has to be thrown out the window, well, so be it. I mean, like, that's the way it is. You've got to cut your cloth according to your order. I mean, like, really, maybe it'd be better if the Greens did stay in opposition because they could have a debate amongst themselves. They could be a debating chamber. Everyone could say how wonderful Greta is and all the rest of you (laughs) Greens. But the reality is we're all going to get on with our lives. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the environment is not a, a, a one-trick issue. It's it's a very much holistic issue. And you and I have talked for two years now where you see that environment cuts across every other issue, justice, economy, society. You know, it, it it's, it's absolutely can be integrated into all of those other issues. And look, I have seen opposition parties try and get stuff done uh, sitting on the sidelines there. And the fact is that they don't, that, the, that legislation happens when parties parties are in government. And and if these, you know, Green Party TDs who don't want to go into government, who don't want to negotiate, if they can come up with a plan that proves to me that they'll get more climate action done by sitting in opposition, then fair play. But I've never seen it happen and I'm willing to bet that it won't. Okay. Dr. Cara Gustenberg, political editor of Green Matters, (laughs) thank you indeed for joining us. We shall await those intriguing developments later this week. Cara, as always, thank you. Thanks, Ivan. 
the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Together, let's play our part by staying apart. Nissan, innovation that excites.